What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Raise the Geek podcast, where geek is all we speak. This week, we talk all about Batman the Long Halloween, and by we, I mean Chris. And uh, let's go. Right. Hey, Don, man, did you survive uh, Friday the 13th yesterday? Any spooky uh, bad things happen to you? Black cats walking in front of your path, breaking mirrors. Yeah, man, I didn't even realize that it was Friday the 13th, probably like halfway until halfway through. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That day just pops up every now and then and you're just like, oh, that's fun. That's cute. But it's never like I'm not a huge Jason Voorhees guy anyway, so it's not like a holiday national holiday kind of celebration to me like it is to some people horror fans i know love that day and always bring it up but i'm a mike myers guy before a jason guy so uh i celebrate halloween first that's a little bit easier to celebrate because at least you know when it's coming every day every (laughs) year yeah i remember when i was younger like friday the 13th there was something with like computers i remember my parents being like we got to unplug all the computers because you'll get a virus or something i had no idea what it was i'm sure if you look it up there's probably some like thing but there was some kind of glitch that was supposed to happen but i always remember oh tomorrow's friday the 13th go and plug the computers and i don't are you sure that wasn't like a y2k thing or your parents part of the illuminati or something (laughs) i don't know i don't know i don't remember what it was i just remember it happening and yeah. uh, we had to unplug computers, you know, back in the day, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Who knows what computers were doing back then? I remember in your neighborhood growing up, like all the streets had tree names. Am I making that up? Like no. Sycamore Street and whatever else. And one of the streets back there was Elm Elm Street. Oh, yeah. And all, all us as little kids were like, she lives on Elm Street. Freddy Krueger is going to get her. And it's no. Friday the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god she lives on elm street she's gonna die yeah i do remember all the the elm street drama that is crazy back in the day well like i said we're here for episode 21 but it is also free comic book day so don did you make it to the store for free comic book day or is that still on your agenda are you gonna let it pass this year uh man what we're looking at like a little past two o'clock here so there's still time to go uh once we wrap up here so yeah i haven't been yet i always have a i don't want to call it an issue with free comic book day but like i tend to avoid it somewhat because i mean i go and buy my comic books on a weekly or bi-weekly basis so i I got plenty of books some of the free ones do look interesting but it's like do i really need to go get those um they don't they don't ever really play a huge part in like the stories i'm reading too much they're just kind of like a extra little thing to do for maybe people who don't read as many comic books already as I do. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know. It's just something in me that gets bothered on that day going in and just seeing all the people who like aren't regular um, comic book fans. And they're like treating the store badly. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, good. but like they're just sorting through all these books and like, is this free? Is this one free? Which ones are free? How many free ones can I get? And then they like leave without buying anything. And I'm like, just kind of offended by that a little bit sometimes yeah, yeah. So you don't I don't want to say you don't belong here because I think everybody should be you know reading comics and people who are genuinely interested and maybe that's their first time then I'm all for that but just like the the people there you know the vultures yeah. is what I call them like taking advantage 
of of just the one day when they can get something for free that just kind of bothers me not to go on a rant about it or anything but i don't know well it's like the scalpers you know it's like the the walking dead finale came out and how many people who don't go to a comic book store ran out and bought as many copies as they could so they can flip them on ebay you know how many people are trying to do the same thing with free comic book day trying to turn those free comics into money you know i'm gonna sell these because no one's gonna be able to get them after the fact so they're gonna be worth money and so i'm gonna go sell them real quick and it's like i said it just i I understand what you're going for yeah 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 so i i still may make it out i have to take another look at some of the things that um were released i know there's an avengers book Um, avengers hulk book looked interesting there was a bad guy ryan otley drew the hulk and he's cool and he's gonna be drawing hulk the hulk book coming up so i was interested in that another book like the house of slaughter uh, intro that's going to be a comic book like the the spinoff to something is killing the children like the first kind of book up with that so yeah i'm gonna go take a look yeah i was debating seeing what my afternoon looks like to uh head on out there myself but we have a lot to talk about i might have already said it before i'll say it again we are talking about batman the long halloween today part two came out we are super pumped about it. We watched the movie. We read, reread the whole graphic novel. We are ready to go. But first, we want to make sure you like, subscribe, and follow us on all podcasts and social media services. Hit us a like, hit us a follow, hit us a subscribe. Grab your neighbor's phone, your significant other's phone, your partner's phone, your kid's phone. Subscribe to our show. Get, uh, get us those subscribes because they definitely help. If you want to join the conversation, make sure you follow us on Twitter at RaisedGeek, or you can shoot us an email at RaisedGeek at gmail.com. So definitely make sure you do that. So before we get into the long Halloween, I do want to ask you a question, Don. So yeah. what you've been reading, watching, or playing? Oh, what have I been reading, watching, or playing? Uh, man, the, w- the first thing that comes to my mind that um, I've kind of been into lately is a show called The White Lotus on HBO. Um, yeah, I mean, I've really been enjoying that show. Uh, and what's crazy is... I didn't even know about it until it already had, I think, a couple episodes. I don't know if I'm the only one who does this, but sometimes when I don't have a show to watch, I'll like get on the old internet machine and just like Google, like, what's a, what's a good show right now? Like, what are, I want to see what shows people are talking about that I maybe, yeah, like maybe something that kind of fell through the cracks on me that I didn't know about or wouldn't have known about. Um, and this was one that popped up and uh I usually like HBO original programming. I think they're still one of the top makers of, you know, original programming. And uh then I saw that it was created by, directed by, written by Mike White, who also did a show on HBO I liked called Enlightenment. Or was it Enlightenment or Enlightened? I think, I think it, was it was Enlightened. Enlightened. Yeah, with Laura Dern. And um I really enjoyed that show. And, you know, he's the writer from, he wrote School of Rock, which is like a guilty pleasure movie that I like. He's in that movie too. Like he's an actor too. You'd recognize him if you saw him. Um, That's a dude who was on Survivor. Yeah, he was on Survivor too, which is funny. Uh, Yeah, but he's like the creative mind behind this show. Um, It's got a cast with not a lot of names you'll know. The main people you'll recognize is like Connie Britton, Steve Zahn, and Jennifer Coolidge. Mm -hmm. Uh, a couple other people but it's basically about um 
different groups of people, like a newlywed couple, a family, a lady who's a rich woman who's by herself, but they all end up on the same Hawaiian island on vacation. And the White Lotus is the name of the resort that they all go to. Um, I'll, I'll leave this whole thing spoiler free for those who haven't seen it. And I know I don't think you've watched it yet either. Watched right? episode one. Watched Started one. episode okay. one Thursday night. So I'm planning on watching more this weekend because it was hilarious. So okay, yeah. Then the one thing I will say is you saw it then in episode one is so we can tell that somebody has died here in on this resort. Yeah. Um, and they, and they kind of hint to that. So I guess in you can kind of in the opening yeah. first thing. Yeah. First, first scene. So, no, that really see, isn't like, a spoiler. Uh, the first thing you see is that. <laughs> right. Right. So, I mean, I guess you can kind of sum it up. There's a comedy slash drama slash kind of a whodunit um, hybrid show. But something about the show, man, it's it's very basic in its premise, but I find it super entertaining. And it's like crazy that you can seriously be laughing super hard at one moment. But then like five minutes later, it's like something really sad happens. Or something really that makes you uncomfortable. Like yeah. it, it, this show works my anxiety. The deeper you get into it, it's one of those shows where you're watching it and the way stuff just starts unfolding, you kind of get cringy and you have to look away. Like, oh no, I don't want to see this. Yeah, I don't want to see what's going to happen because I can put myself in this scenario and it feel it's so like embarrassing or in anxiety ridden or whatever the case is. If you're a person like me who feels weird about that stuff. Like there's times watching this where I've had to pause it and like, be like, okay, I can handle this. I can handle whatever they're about to do. <laughs> no matter how cringy it is, I'm going to have, I'm going to sit here because I got to see what's going to happen. And I tell myself like, it's fake. It's just a TV show. I'm, what do I feel so funny? But yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those shows. Uh, it's really funny. If you want to laugh, uh, Steve's on, I I've always thought is freaking hilarious and he's so funny in this. Um, yeah, man, that's just what I've been watching. And the finale is tomorrow. Nice. So me and my wife are excited about that. It's been one of our shows we really enjoyed. Uh, just one last note about it. It it was only supposed to be a limited se- series, six episodes. But uh, I guess due to the popularity, they are going to move forward with uh, another season of it. Nice. But they've, they've already said it's going to be a different cast, a different location but still another it's basically going to be like another white lotus hotel in another place and this is a story that happens here people are like oh that's great like now it's popular is mike white gonna use you know jack black or laura dern or somebody he's worked with before like that would be hilarious but anyway yeah that's what i've been watching and um i recommend it to anybody so chris you my friend what have you been reading watching or playing well, I'm going to go with what I've been reading because I actually had one quick announcement that I didn't know if anybody knew because I didn't see it until I saw it in the back of the book. But uh, I've been reading Oblivion Song by Robert Kirkland, and they actually announced that they're ending that comic with issue 36. So I thought this was going to be a comic that I was going to be able to stick with for a long time. And looks like I only got about four more issues, which I th- and I think three more new ones because I know the issue 33 came out. Uh, this Wednesday. So um, that story's finishing up really good. So if you were interested, but thinking it was too far along, now you kind of know where the finish line is. And that's a a great story, just kind of about alternate universes that keep invading and the war between alternate universes, which is pretty cool. Uh, The main thing I want to talk about, I want to do that as like a PSA, you know, public service announcement here, just let you guys know, because that's a a big book that's kind of coming to an end. 
Um, but the ba- main thing I've been reading is I jumped into reading Dune again after seeing that second trailer for that Dune movie. That trailer looks epic, and mm. it just made me so pumped for that movie. And I was like, man, I should really jump into this book again. So I'm a couple hundred pages into rereading Dune, which I read it as like a kid or younger person. And I remember it being really hard to read. And I know that's kind of the stigma that this book has is that it's like you have to learn a whole other language and it's all this other stuff. And reading it now, like as an adult, it's a lot easier to read. Like some of the stuff makes sense that I don't need. I mean, there is a glossary. So if you do need it, it's there. But it's been a lot better to read. I'm having a lot more fun reading it now as an adult. Uh, Dune was published in like 1965 it's considered a masterpiece really just novel in general but definitely within the sci-fi community of novels it's like you don't really get much higher than dune uh and i think so many things have ripped it off over the i mean like everything stems from dune you know dune was kind of set up with like as this just like hierarchy of like so many things have ripped it off so like game of thrones you have that like that kind of intrigue where you have all these royal families that are all trying to be in power and then you have a lot of stuff that makes it mirrors it with today's society like battlestar galactica did where they're like we're gonna put it in space but it's this so you just have all the like the sci-fi tropes but mixed with just real day just politics and religion and just drama and it just plays really good on this dune, the sand planet. So then you have what everybody knows from that is the sandworms that come and eat people. And uh, it's just, I'm kind of really having fun diving back into it and wanting to try to get through it before the movie launches here in October. Granted, I don't think I have to finish it because they're only doing, I think the movie's only supposed to be the first half of the book, but I'm sure I'll finish it before then if I can focus, focus. But yeah, man, I've been trying to read through Dune again, and I do have the prequel comic that I've been collecting for the past like eight months that I w- wanted to try to get through before the uh, the movie came out. So I got a lot of Dune reading, but I've been enjoying, enjoying that one, and I think it'll be fun to see how they finally try to translate the page to the big screen again, because... It's been done quite a few times, but it's been done questionably, depending on some people love each adaptation and some people hate each adaptation. So I'm curious to see how uh, this one, this new one, turns out. Yeah, man, that's cool. I, I'm i not super familiar with Dune, and I've known that ever since, you know, the, the trailer and all the hype started with this movie. It's got a huge cast. Everybody knows. Everybody's seen the trailer. Um, so it looks pretty epic. So, yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, so I've been having fun diving back into that one. Uh, The one thing that I did just read, and we're about to talk about it, The Batman, The Long Halloween. So I think it's time for us to talk about that. But before we do, we want to let you know this podcast is sponsored by Anchor.fm. All right, Don. So Batman, The Long Halloween Part 2, the animated movie, has now hit digital rental, at least. So we were both able to rent it digitally and check it out. Should be hitting the red box. And it's already out for full purchase digital as well. I'm not sure if the actual DVD or Blu-ray is out, but regardless, it is available to watch. So we watched it. And then we both went and reread the graphic novel in its entirety. So I wanted to kind of think we talk about the long halloween just kind of as a whole i know we already talked about the first couple issues in the first movie but i think we're probably gonna have to dive into that just that little bit as well um but overall i just was curious what you thought about part two of batman the long halloween yeah uh, like you said we did both 
watch it and both read the book and we've already had an episode about part one which uh you guys out there if you haven't heard that uh you might want to go back into our library and find that episode and check it out um we had a lot of fun talking about that as well that first part covered one through four and this part two i think covers a much meatier section uh issues five through 13 of the book um but yeah just in general i i thought it was a successful adaptation um still had the same kind of feel that carried over from part one um i was a fan of i was a fan of it um personally i'll get into it more so in detail when we talk about it you know later but i prefer the book still over the adaptations but that that work that happens a lot with adaptations you know you choose whether you like the source material or whatever they did but i think they they made a lot of choices where they deviated from the book and we can get into that too um some of them were more successful than others but for the most part i had a good time how about you how did how did you feel about it yeah i really enjoyed the movie i as we talked about with the first part i love the animation that they went with it's a little bit different than the book but it still has its own very uniqueness and just love the thick black lines on the characters and just the animation is is very uh nuanced for this story and i think it adapted very well to film i'm extremely glad that they took the two parts and didn't try to rush it like they did with hush um hush worked as a 90 minute movie but it could have easily been two parts and you could have fleshed out a lot more. Um, there were some questionable omissions and some of the changes I liked and some of the changes I thought were better than the book in certain ways, but then I still really loved what the book did. So, cause obviously the book was able to give you a little bit more detail or a little bit mm-hmm. more explanation and just a little bit more because each issue was its own freestanding issue. And they were written in a way that you could kind of almost jump in at any point. So there was a lot of almost like narration backtracking a little bit, just reminding you who the characters were, who's tied in with who and kind of keeping you up to date with where we are with the mystery. And I really enjoyed that because sometimes in the movie, I'd be like, wait, who is that? What just happened? What, you know, I would just get confused because for me, there's there's a lot going on in this story and it's really easy to be confused. And when I start asking you questions about the end of the book, um, you'll see where that is. Uh, (laughs) I have some like, I'm like, wait so this happened but now this happened so um needless to say full spoilers for the movie and the graphic novel um so just per use you know normal normal podcast speak we're going to talk about everything spoilers this movie to me almost started a little bit jarring because all of a sudden it was just like poison ivy just took over bruce wayne i'm like wait when did this happen how did this happen how long, you know, it was, I, I, and especially now reading, rereading the book today, they did such a good job in the book of like setting that up and really letting you know what that meant. And in the movie, they kept it a lot more vague. So mm-hmm. it was a little bit more jarring for me to jump into this movie because they just started it that way with Bruce Wayne being completely under Poison Ivy's spell and giving all his money to Carmen Falcone and doing all that stuff so it was kind of like whoa they really just threw you right in there for part two of this thing (laughs) yeah definitely in the book there the the lead into um poison ivy taking over bruce wayne was explained a little better with like her scratching him with the rose and the thorn you're like oh well that's how he got infected that's how i know that she took him over and this like you said they're just kind of are in it 
immediately. Uh, the movie does start off with like a scene where you can tell Bruce is under Poison Ivy's spell or toxin or whatever you want to call it. And that is one area where I did notice those thick black lines that you were talking about. Like immediately right off the bat, I was like, man, I forgot how good this animation in this yeah. is. It was really good. Um, but then we do go into that scene and Bruce is under Poison Ivy's spell. Um, and one improvement I do think that the movie made on the book was the amount of action in this scene. I liked, I liked the scene a lot when, you know, it's the same as the book where Cap or she, Catwoman swoops in and, you know, she's there to save Bruce. But in in the book, it's just kind of like a couple panels and, you know, a couple kicks here and there. But this scene, man, like Poison Ivy's throwing out uh, giant vines to try yeah. to catch Catwoman and she's jumping all around and it, it was really cool. Uh, and that's that's the point of sometimes a movie like can give it a little more give it a little more pizzazz to the to the action scenes that were in the book. So I really did like that. Um, but it was it was weird because they had like one thing and correct me if i'm wrong but the one real big difference within the book and the movie is in the book catwoman and batman don't know each other's identity but in this movie they do right so then it almost becomes this jarring thing because in the movie they made it seem like bruce wayne was under poison ivy spell for months giving out money and doing stuff but then you're like so selena kyle didn't realize her boyfriend and batman that she knows is batman like she knows who it is she wasn't able to figure out that he was missing like yeah it made it made it for the length of time like in the book it makes sense or yeah in the book it makes sense because catwoman didn't know who bruce wayne was and she was kind of just spying and then figured it out so it was a little bit cleaner in that way so it wasn't as confused Like I said, it was just confusing for me trying to figure out like, well, why did she spend, it took me out of it for a minute. Cause I'm sitting there like, why did it take her two months to realize her boyfriend was missing? All right. That is a little, <laughs> that is a little bit of a plot hole, messy situation. I can't think of if in the book, Batman knew her identity in both the book and the movie. And she just didn't know his in the book. Yeah. I know she but doesn't know movie, his. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But in this movie, she did know his because she like saw him take the mask off or I think he took the mask off in part on one. New Year's. Yeah. New yeah, Year's and, we're on the boat yeah we were kind of confused by that not confused but like whoa they're not supposed to do that that didn't happen in the book right but either way yeah i mean both scenes were were cool in the book and the movie but um they did definitely take some liberties here like they kind of did throughout the whole movie no it was Um, it was a great way to open it up it was a great way to get you caught back up with the uh where we were with the story and it kind of sets up this film with the talking about the Bruce Wayne connection with the Falcones and talking about Thomas Wayne and his connection. So it definitely is an important part of the story. And I think that fleshing it out a little bit more with some cooler action was done really nicely. So no, it was a great opening. It just, they just jumped right in. I'm like, okay, part two. I just wish they would have shown the, like the one scene where poison Ivy actually infects him. Like they could have just shown one, you know, 30 seconds of her scratching him with a rose on Valentine's day. And you could have, yeah, or they might have they might have even they might have even ended part one with that, you know. That would have been a cool ending, yeah. So um but regardless regardless, it, it still works. It works. Yeah. One yeah. thing they did add in the scene too that that works better than the book is they made sure that um the cops the or the police were called. Uh 
and it just makes it um, makes it like more believable. Like the police would have been called to uh, Wayne Manor, you right. know, once Poison Ivy is there, and then that saves the whole thing from the book where Bruce gets arrested and goes to jail. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't they didn't do that in the movie, and it made more sense that way because like he wouldn't have gone to jail. All he would have had to say was, "I was under Ivy's." I was under Ivy's control and that's why I was signing my money over to this crime boss. So no need to investigate me. I'm not guilty. I was under the uh, influence of a supervillain. So yeah, right. Like, so that definitely was something they tweaked. That was an improvement. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. know. And, yeah. They didn't have the trial of Bruce Wayne in the, in the movie that was cut for the, uh, the movie. And I thought it was a little bit cleaner because then they were able to, get through that section and really tie in Thomas Wayne and his connection to the Falcone saving uh, Carmine's life when he was younger and, you know, really kind of being tied in with that family. So I thought that was an interesting. Yeah. And, and speaking of, you know, cuts and additions, one major thing that like I noticed and I can't, I'd be remiss not to bring up is the um, April fool's day chapter was completely missing from the movie. Yep. Uh and in rereading the book, I thought that was a great chapter to that story. It was. Uh where it features the Riddler being brought in by Carmine Falcone because you know he he believes that the Riddler is the one who can solve the holiday mystery just due to him being the Riddler and him able to solve solve, you know, answer questions that no one else can answer. Uh and then the the flip of the coin you know no pun intended to that side of the story is batman and commissioner gordon basically running through their list of suspects and saying well it could be catwoman maybe it's um i'm trying to think of who else maybe it's the sister carla vd maybe it's uh the roman himself uh you know and they even said you know their last thought is maybe it's harvey dent and Commissioner Gordon doesn't want to hear that and Batman doesn't want to believe that, but you know, you got to include him on the list of suspects. Right. But that scene was completely missing from the movie. And I kind of am disappointed now that I think about it. Cause I thought that was really fun, especially when um, Carmine realizes that Riddler is basically no use to him and he throws him out and the Riddler is confronted by holiday in the streets uh, outside so you know we as readers think he's about to die but then holiday doesn't kill the riddler and it makes sense because it's april fool's day so that was like a great thread that i thought was really fun yeah that, so it kind of feels like a missed opportunity to me a little bit that they didn't maybe include something like that you know riddler wasn't even in the book i mean riddler wasn't even in the movie at all no and it seemed like they were really they basically were kind of cutting the whole balcony supervillain angle like that whole thread in the book where he hires he was the one that that escaped scarecrow and mad hatter he was the one teaming up with the supervillains to try to figure out who holiday was and he was using the villains and i don't think that that was really made known because they had in the movie they had two-face break everybody out did scarecrow get out beforehand two-face does eventually break everybody out in the book and the movie but you're right, Carmine, they make it more obvious in the book that Carmine is paying off these supervillains like yeah. Poison Ivy and Scarecrow and Mad Hatter, what have you, um, which I always kind of thought was a weird thread anyway, because at the base of this entire movie is, you know, we've talked about it in our first part. This movie was 
this book was written to be part of the Batman year one era during that time period. Yeah. And uh, the whole point is basically the evolution of crime in Gotham city from mobsters moving into supervillains. Cause as soon as Batman comes along, now you got all these costumed villains that come along with him and the struggle of old timey mobsters like Maroni and Falcone having to deal with, well, now there's all these freaks running around. They always call them freaks. You're a freak. Yeah. You know, they did the same thing with Heath Ledger in the dark Knight. He's a, he's the new, he's the new breed of crime. He's the freak and the old crime, old mob bosses don't like that. Uh, so that was like a theme in this book. So I always found it kind of weird that Carmine did resort to working with poison ivy and and using the scarecrow i guess that can kind of just point out you know his desperation level at this point to kind of because you know he's tired of holiday offing his entire family and his whole operation you know basically disintegrating in front of his eyes but uh yeah i don't know i always just found that kind of interesting i hear you because yeah his family wasn't the most excited that he was doing that i kind of like it but yeah for the most part it being admitted I don't think really took anything away it, but it's just, like I said, with the book, it just f- obviously felt more fleshed out because they took the time to sure. at least let you know that's what was happening. And here they still had moments of those things. Like you didn't have the reason behind Scarecrow as much as you did in the book. Yeah. You know, some of the, even Poison Ivy, like you knew you could put it together because she was having Bruce Wayne write off over his money to, and donate to uh, Falcone. But at the same time, it was it wasn't the same yeah I lost, I lost my train of thought of where i was going with that <laughs> oh man i know what you're saying yeah. but yeah. yeah it just it it wasn't like like in the book it's told flat out for you where in the movie you kind of had to be like okay you had to put the pieces together and mm-hmm. they weren't always the clearest if that makes sense no it totally does um yeah so i'm i'm wondering one thing i was wondering about is cuz i know how i feel about it um where i kind of like rank Batman villains and and Two Face to me is always pretty high on my list. Yeah. Um, from you know this the Long Halloween book, his origin in um the Dark Knight movie, and probably most importantly, like I this is crazy, but re- going to the Batman the animated series, like I loved those Two Face episodes, like where he yeah. was becoming Two Face. He had like a two part. I still remember this. He had like a two part. Uh, kind of story that was introducing him and taking him from Harvey Dent to Two-Face and even in that show like Harvey Dent was a character that was in the beginning of that so you cared about him even as a kid even as a kid I cared about (laughs) Harvey Dent and I was like no Harvey uh yeah man and that was that was great so I've always loved the I've always loved the origin of Two-Face yeah um and I kind of try to erase the Tommy Lee Jones uh depiction from batman forever because that ain't that wasn't two-faced that was just joker uh he was joker jim carrey was joker we don't have to talk about batman forever but anyway i just want to i'm excited about the idea of batman 89 coming out later this year and seeing if they do the billy d williams oh yeah face we've seen i've seen art from that where it is like the artist draws Billy D. Williams as Two Face. I was like, that's great. Because that would have been really cool. Because obviously in 1989, not to go off on too big of a tangent, but you know, Billy D. Williams was Harvey Dent. So it was, they were set planting those seeds like, oh, he's going to be Two Face and we can do this story. 
And like I said, we never got that far because they went different direction with Schumacher and Batman Forever. So yeah, it'd be really interesting. I'm, I'm actually really excited for that that comic. I think it's October. Yeah, it's it's Batman coming soon. Yeah, I'm 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 interested in that myself. Um, <clears throat> but this is a big roundabout way of me just kind of asking you what you felt about Two Faces kind of origin or Josh Dumal's performance, like. Uh, how did it how did it sit with you and like are you a fan of two face two or yeah yeah, yeah two face is awesome um they i thought they did a great job with this movie i was so like just into his story and i was really especially as we got towards the end because i i didn't remember i read i didn't remember how the book handled the ending and who it really was you know i didn't remember those details so i was watching the movie trying to piece together the pieces and i loved what they did in the movie where they kind of started having Two-Face, like the break, the mental, the psyche break started happening before the actual incident with the acid that fully broke him. Like he was already hearing the voice in his head. He was already, you know, he already kind of like hit his breaking point and was already snapping before. So this whole situation, I just love that idea of this whole situation already breaking him the course of this year. And he was already turning that way. And I just... I loved the idea because there was obviously in both the book and the movie, there's definitely heavy accusations thrown Harvey Dent's way of, is he the holiday killer? Did he go rogue? Is he doing this? Is that his like vigilante alter ego just because he's losing faith in the law? And I love that idea of Harvey Dent being holiday, but not knowing he's holiday, like having that split personality come in and be the holiday killer. And I just was like, man, that is such a great two, Two-Face. Like, that just makes the origin of, like, Harvey Dent to Two-Face so much cooler if he was actually, if it happened before the incident. Because it's always been described as happening, like, the incident is what caused the break a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that this movie kind of threw an extra little wrinkle and had the, the, had the mental break happening before. And yeah. it just seemed like, man, and I was so excited about that idea. I'm like, oh, my God, that would be so cool if Two-Face was actually holiday but he didn't know it and i yeah. just thought that was such a cool thread to, to hang there that's not quite the direction i don't think they went but i love that um when we'll get to it here in a minute but i i just i thought that was great and i thought it was done so well and it was something that i really i had reading through the book was like man that would have been cool <laughs> yeah i agree like the the acid in his face was not the defining moment that caused two-face like two-face was already there yeah that, that was just the final piece that finally broke him i think they even kind of did that in the animated series too like he was hearing the voice before before yeah, so. the before the uh accident happens that finally pushes him over the edge um yeah so i'm yeah that's cool that you feel that way about that because i really love i love just two-face in general um one thing that's funny to me is when he finally first does show up <laughs> it's like how does he already have the uh, custom suit, the custom two-face suit that is like half purple and half a regular right, suit? Right. When did you have time to go get that thing tailored for yourself? Yeah, right. Where did you uh, even get it from? Yeah. Did you yeah. walk in all fa- half-face scar face and walk in and be like, I need a suit that matches my face. <laughs> I need a very special suit from you. It has to be half crazy and half regular. <laughs> uh, Let me flip this coin and see if I'm going to pay you. Yeah. Uh, that is one thing that with two face it doesn't bother me but sometimes i wish he would i don't know the the flipping of the coin thing is, is his character and it's part of it 
But sometimes it's like, you know, he's going to kill this guy anyway, or he would kill this guy anyway. Like flipping the coin wouldn't stop him from doing something. But I guess in reality, maybe it does. Yeah. Uh, because that's who he is. That's what, he, and that's like his character. And I don't know. I just really like Two Face. Yeah. Um, I thought he was handled really well. And I almost, like I said, almost like his arc in the movie, these animated movies, better than in, in the book. Like the book still mm-hmm. did it great. And it's still really kind of the de facto origin of Two-Face like I feel like it's been done pretty much over and over again in model of this book (laughs) yeah so kind of like especially especially I was going to say in the Dark Knight movie um took a lot from this the only problem with the Dark Knight movie is they had to tie it in with the Joker just because the Joker was was that movie yeah so they had to like make him an integral part of Two-Face's origin which Two-Face should kind of have his own thing that he's doing outside of the joker that was my only problem with that but uh yeah like we said in our first episode talking about part one you could tell christopher nolan took a ton of inspiration from this oh um, yeah i mean the whole movie so, yeah yeah i mean the whole movie the the basic idea of the movie and the story like you said earlier of being how batman changed things and that was i mean that was the essence of the dark knight as a as a as a movie was how things change now that batman i mean the timeline lines up the first year of batman the i mean everything lines up and i'm not going to be surprised if pattinson's batman next year touches Touches on a lot of the same stuff because they already said this is like year four or something like that early early in his career when he's like learning to be a detective yeah yeah so it's man i hope that movie's cool me too me too um Man, so now I got to kind of get to it now. The the one problem, big problem I had with this adaptation is the we'll start talking about it now, the revolu- the, the the reveals of what's going on with the Holiday Killer. Once we start getting to the end of this book and this movie, when things finally have to start getting put together, um a lot of things are different from the movie and the book, some things are the same. Um but one of my favorite parts of the book is there's a scene towards the end where things are getting really hectic. Maroney has thrown the acid into Dent's face, making him two-faced. So Dent is off somewhere. No one knows where he is. And uh, Sal Maroney is now being transported somewhere to be questioned or something like that. He, they think he might be the next target of the holiday killer. Mm-hmm. So they're having to transfer him like underground. Uh, Commissioner Gordon and a guard... And then all of a sudden, Holiday is in the tunnel that they're tr- going through, and he kills Sal Maroney. And it turns out, and the guard jumps to attack the Holiday killer. Holiday shoots um, the guard. The guard goes down. He doesn't shoot Gordon, but Gordon takes his flashlight up towards the face of the killer. And it's like the last page of this issue is it's revealed to be Alberto Falcone in the book, um, which is a huge twist because we all thought as readers that Alberto died as a victim of holiday much earlier in the book. Yeah, like, yeah, New Year's, he was killed on the boat. His body fell off the boat. So I guess we never saw the body, but the way they were talking throughout the entire book, you know, Alberto's dead. We would have never suspected it would have been Alberto. I thought this was like one of the best. I don't want to say, well, it was a twist, but like one of the best pages in there, like just made me go, damn, like I would have never thought that that is that that's the way they were going to go. And in the movie, they did not do this at all. They didn't do it. Well, um, they did the same scene, 
but they didn't do the reveal because they did a different reveal. But they still had the scene where they were transporting Maroney. Batman Mm -hmm. is the guard that you didn't know. Holiday still showed up and killed Maroney. In still shocking right. fashion because you didn't see it coming. All of a sudden, it was just tap tap, and he was, and you're like, "Whoop!" Made me go Oof, when he got shot. So I reacted definitely. So the scene was still there, but yeah, the definite the resolution because then Holiday got away. Yeah, I mean, just to me, the page of oh yeah, the light being shown and it's Alberto's face was gr- like one of the highlights of the book to me. I still love that to this day, and every time I see it, I like stare at it for you know a good minute. I'm like, man, that's so cool they did that. Yeah, and yeah. So, and so them taking it out of this book. I mean, the movie. I mean, I know you can make liberties and make changes for an adaptation and kind of make it work for what you're doing, but I just kind of thought that was a missed opportunity, maybe. Um, even if that does get a little jumbled and a little confusing in the book at the end, which we'll get into, but I just thought that would have been a fun way to go, but I guess they made a different choice. And it would have, depending on what you do, my, my thing that always gets me with those types of things is sometimes those reveals to me feel cheap. And then Mm -hmm. idea that it's like, oh, well, you picked a character that I thought was dead. So you took the piece off the table and then you bring it back at the end and say, oh, Here's who did it. And yeah. uh, so I was really initially mad about that. Like, I was just like, oh, <laughs> I could have never guessed that because you told me he was dead and showed yeah. me that he was dead. And, you know, because in the book, they even found his body. You know, the corner, the corner was there, found his body, and they, you know, declared that he was dead. So it's like he was not in mind. So then for me, like wanting to be the detective and wanting to solve the mystery, then I feel like you're cheating because you're yeah. going around. So it's one of those things. Now, when I sat and thought about it and was still reading through the book, they really still did give you all of the pieces that you could have guessed that you could have figured it out. There was still the fact that the holiday killer killed the coroner, which seemed out of, out of character. They still right. had, they still had the things in there where people were, the clues were there and I just didn't see them in that way. So mm-hmm. I do, I do really ultimately enjoy the reveal post but in the moment, I was just like, but yes, the, the scene in the shot is awesome. Yeah, uh, just an iconic page to me that I wish could have made its way to the movie. Um, but it, it worked out without doing that. They just found their own path to an ending, uh, which depending on how you look at it, you might like it or love it or hate it, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to bring that up. No, I, I agree, because that was the big change. So then let's talk about what they did do for the movie versus what they did in the book um, for the movie, for this ending, when we got our big reveal and you, like I said, you might easily have to, I'm mixing them all up in my head too. So you might easily have to uh, help me out, but their, their basic idea. I'm here for you, buddy. I'm here for you. Their basic idea is that it was Greta, Harvey Dent's wife. Gilda. Gilda. Sorry. Gilda. See, you already got to correct me. Uh, (laughs) That it was Gilda, Harvey Dent's wife, and you throughout mm-hmm. the whole movie, you saw them struggling and having issues and realizing there was more going on. And then they had a whole backstory set up that it was, you know, this is after Harvey Dent kind of turns himself into Batman and Commissioner Gordon for being Holiday. Two-Face, yeah. Mm-hmm. Two-Face being Holiday, he turns himself in. And then uh, Batman goes back to the house and relays through all the clues of Gilda being Holiday wanting to know if she's done. And then she tells this story about how Alberto Falcone, she fell in love at college with him. There was a whole big thread about Oxford college and who went to Oxford. And that was one of the clues when they were trying to pin it on Harvey Dent 
was who went to Oxford because there was a tie that I forgot or missed as to why they were obsessed with Oxford, but then realized that his wife went to Oxford and she said they fell in love and she got pregnant and then she wasn't accepted by the family. So they basically messed her up and yeah you know got rid of the baby and i think that's partially re- reason why this movie is rated r uh because that was a heavy <laughs> that was a heavy conversation that she was having with batman there and i was like oof um, yeah for an anime for an animated yeah that was movie, a heavy conversation yeah. but basically she just kind of got left so this was her taking her revenge on the falcone family mm-hmm. for what they did to her and uh so I mean, from my understanding is they were really just kind of saying that she was holiday and Harvey Dent might've figured it out towards the end. And like I said, I might be getting the book confused. Yeah. Like, Cause what were they saying in this movie for the ending meaning? Yeah. yeah. Like it, it does get a little confusing. You got to kind of remember in your mind what the book did versus what the movie did. Yeah. <laughs> the movie, everything you just kind of laid out there that it seems like they made it seem like Gilda was the only holiday killer. Maybe Harvey did a couple, I don't know. It's very hard to explain. It's very hard to understand. And and but, the book is vague too. So like I said, yeah. the book is well, extremely but, vague with it too. So, I mean, it makes sense and it fits thematically mm-hmm. that you want to have a still a little mystery hanging over the air as to exactly what happened. And I mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, just trying to figure out exactly what they were trying to tell me. Well, in the book, Alberto is arrested. And then in his um, confessional with his dad, he basically says, I am the holiday killer. I've been the holiday killer. Um, But then when we get towards the end, the last scene of the book is Gilda again in her basement. Basically, Batman's not there this time. This is just her talking to herself. Yeah. And basically running through the whole thing, um, saying, you know, she started killing people from the Falcone family because she wanted to spend more time with Harvey because he was so like wrapped up in his work as a district attorney and it was like taking over his life. So she found the names of people in his organization and started killing them. But then she kind of makes it seem like after the, after killing Alberto, or after killing somebody that then Harvey himself started being holiday mm-hmm. and she kind of figured it out from, she said, you know, your hair was wet. So I mean, that would mean that he was like in the water after he killed Alberto. So yeah. she's basically saying she was the holiday killer at first, then she stopped and then Harvey started doing it too. And she figured it out and they were both a holiday killer together. Um, and it's, it, it all kind of got very confusing because, like, if that is the true thing of what happened, then what is Alberto confessing to? Like, is, Al, is Alberto then only responsible for killing Sal in Sal Maroney? Or did he do anything else? And is he just saying he's Holiday because he wants to, like, defy his father? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of leaves it open to interpretation, whatever what you want to believe about it. Yeah. But that is kind of a little messy thing. Like I rather have a direct answer on who Holiday is instead of like having to come up in my own head with who Holiday is. Yeah. Um, and the other problem I have with the movie version is that whole scene with Gilda in the basement. She's telling this to Batman. Batman figured it out. Yeah. And was down there as she's burning the hat and burning the gun and burning the holiday outfit and everything. And she's basically admitting to all these things she did. And Batman basically says to her, like, I just need to know holiday will never happen again. And he like 
leaves. Yeah. Like Batman Batman would never do that. Like sure. I thought that was a bad thing. Batman would never walk away from bringing her in uh just because you know she has a sad story, which it is a sad story about what happened to her, but she murdered people. Like he would have been like you're coming with me. Yeah. <laughs> this is it's I'm not going to walk away from this. So I thought that was kind of like eh, but uh it's always even, been a point. Even in the book it would have it could have made more sense if Alberto was in the movie as holiday because then batman could at least look and go hey well we already have alberto who's committing to all of these murders we already have this you know you could you could still find a way to justify it some way but in the movie there is no justification in that way you know you have harvey dent or two-face admitting to what he wanted to you know Uh you know it, it wasn't really clear exactly to which ones he was admitting to he was just more or less just kind of saying let's see what happens I think he was I think he was admitting to all of them even though he didn't commit all of them because he figured out that Gilda was doing yeah. it and he kind of wanted to protect her. Um so I mean I guess the general public would just be like oh holiday killers in prison it's Harvey Dent it's Two-Face yeah. case closed. Uh but still a little problematic. It is. I I, I still think it would still take her in. Batman would still definitely take her in. Um the Gilda character in the movie as well was to me too obvious from the beginning that she, something weird was going on with her. Like at the book in the book, she was just like a regular happy go lucky wife, the whole book. And then at the end, that's why it makes it more of a shocking ending that she's involved with the holiday stuff. But in the movie, something was always up with her. She was like depressed or, um, you know, just a weird person that it's easy to spot and be like, well, I bet you she's involved some way. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? So like the the twist at the end was a little less impactful in the movie. I mean, even though I read the book and knew what was coming, but I could imagine just to like a regular viewer being like, oh, Gilda's involved. That makes sense because she's been a weirdo this entire yeah. <laughs> this entire movie. Uh, but yeah, it would it would have had a little bit more of a punch if it would have been like it was in the book with a reveal to us, but not to Batman. Like Batman was still happy with who he had and his him and Gordon were happy with the way that it shook out and just were shocked that it was Harvey Dent yeah, and not doing that. And even having that idea of Two-Face being holiday and stuff and leaving Gild or yeah, Gilda out of it was, I want to know why I want to say Greta, but uh, <laughs> Greta Thornburg. Yeah. But I think it just, I mean, it still worked, but it, yeah, Batman didn't need to be there for that uh, no. monologue, having her give it away. And then kind of say, hey, yeah, Harvey picked it up, like kind of exactly how it is in the last page of the book, you know, just kind of explaining it. And they they could still go into their sob story about Alberto and why she did it. And you could have still done more with it, but they really left the Alberto connection with her completely out of this movie. Yeah, they did. So they definitely took their liberties and one way might work for somebody and the other way might work for someone, or you may like both endings and think they made an improvement, but uh, yeah, all in all, I guess it kind of just wrapped things up pretty well for me, both in both ways. So yeah, if I would have never read the book and just watched these two movies, I would have loved it. Yeah. And I still do like it. This was a great adaptation of a very complicated story and a long story. And it's awesome that it got the two parts that it's needed to fully tell it. Uh, I think those animated movies are bestly done when you're going to do an, an adaptation of such rich source material that has so much like nuance and so much mystery given it two parts and really going in that. I understand the urge to want to tweak some stuff just due to the idea to keep people like us who read the book on our toes 
And I don't mind that because you know what, we still got the book here that we can go read and check it out. So it's just such a great story. And I, I, I enjoy sometimes the creative freedom. If it's one to one, then, you know, what's the point of watching the movie? <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is true. Um, so yeah, I, I had, a, I had a lot of fun with this adaptation. Uh, love the book still. I've said it before. It's like my favorite Batman story. Yeah. Um, it's the rereading this and watching these movies has got me wanting to go back and read dark victory, which is like the sequel. Um, wondering maybe that'll get a animated adaptation someday too. So. I haven't read that book in a long time. I don't know and, if I ever, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you, so yeah, you got to get on that. And, you know, it makes me excited about the long Halloween special comic that's coming in October, like a new story based in this world from Jeff Loeb and Tim sale makes me even more excited for yeah. that. I've already told my comic store, like I'm put that down. Like when it comes out, I want it in my, <laughs> I want it in my pull list. So uh, I, need to, I need to do that. Yeah. 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 So um, I don't know for me personally, I had, I had a great amount of fun with this uh, DC animated movies tend to be pretty good. Like you yeah. don't, you don't, you don't think that they animated movies can be as good as, you know, maybe live action, but in reality, it, they really can be, and they can do a lot of things that live action movies can't do. So I, I personally recommend this to people who maybe you're a fan of Batman or you're a fan of murder mysteries. I mean, if you've listened to this whole podcast, now we've just told you everything that's going to happen, but uh, yeah, the mysteries yeah. won't be there as much, but you can at least yeah. see how it unravels. Yeah. It's a fun time, man. A fun time. Yeah. And I'm excited once I'm excited for it to hit HBO. Um, since these all these animated movies seem to found a home there so i'm excited to watch them again like back to back have it one big marathon of both of them um once it hits hbo and or if they decide to release it i'll i'll pick up the disc of this if they do it i did that with uh the dark knight returns they they mm-hmm. put together they put both movies together into one big super movie and put it on this big deluxe like blu-ray um with all kinds of bonus features and stuff and i picked that up and watched that's how i watched that movie and it was awesome and i would love the opportunity to do that with this one, but I don't know if they're going to release it, especially since those movies have two different ratings. I don't know how you do that. Sure. But, sure. But I guess you just rate the whole thing R and put it out. So I'm keeping my eye open for that, but I figured HBO max in a couple months, it should hit and it should be great, man. Absolutely. We're on the same page there. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us talk about Batman the long Halloween. If there are any other comic adaptations or anything that you want to hear us talk about, make sure to hit us up on twitter at raised a geek or shoot us an email at raised a geek at gmail.com but don i think that's going to wrap us up this week so until next time i'm chris and i'm don and thanks for listening to the raised a geek podcast where we all speak geek